Hey, it's Corey Heppola. Spring is here, and when you when you own a home like I do, you know you've got to have that spring checklist. You've got to be able. Although um, I'm not quite sure what what is on that checklist. I'm not quite sure what you're supposed to do to your home to protect your home now that it's spring. Hey, let's build it on Radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. All right, Andy, that's a big question. Spring checklist. I, I mean, I'm, I'm supposed to do something because in, in the winter here, it's cold and snowy. Mm-hmm. And then in the spring, what happens is, is that snow melts yeah. and then the cold goes away. So your your house is experiencing what we're experiencing. So I think we're supposed to do something to the house, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah, you know, this is uh, we get this question all the time. What I found out is where we live, there's areas of the home that people haven't put eyes on since the snowfall. So you, there might be a spot in your house you haven't even seen since last October. Many of them, yeah, yeah, and because it's it's a four foot snowbank to get back there to see that part of your roof. So the the first thing I always tell people is once the snow is gone, just take an exterior inspection of your home. And one of the best ways to do that was what I call the the three hundred and sixty picture taking method. And it's it's really simple. So from every corner of your house and from every center of your house. So if it's uh, the the back of your home from the center of the back of your house and from each corner, Mm -hmm. take a picture. And in the spring again, take those pictures again. So you can actually see if you have any changes. Look for the really easy things are like loose shingles or you have maybe a vent that is flapping. Inspect any of the caulking around the outsides of your windows to see if that is cracked at all. Maybe screens have fallen off, dryer vents might be plugged. But again, you're, you're seeing parts of your house that you haven't seen since the snow flew. Okay, so take pictures. It's a lot easier to do that now with iPhones. Yeah. You can just take the pictures and then and then well, you just you just compare them to the fall and yeah. okay. Compare them to the fall and this is a really good thing to have should you ever have any like a, a tree fall in your house. You can show people what it what it looked like before or deal with your insurance company. So there's there's more than one purpose to having these pictures, but if you can't see that it's out of place and you're like, "I don't know if it was like that last year or not like that last mm-hmm. year." Being able to look back at an old picture compared to the one you have now, it's good and and some of us aren't good getting up on the roof. And, and if you're afraid of that, by all means, don't get up there. A, a really easy way to maybe look at your roof from the ground is with you know getting as far away from your house as, as it takes to be able to see the entire slope. But get an old, cheaper pair of binoculars and just kind of run that back and forth yeah. on there and look for anything that's flapping the wind or something maybe that you looks out of place. Too. Yeah. yeah, we had uh, just a couple of years ago, we had, there's a straight line wind that came and knocked didn't even knock the shingles off, but it knocked them loose. And all of a sudden we heard this banging <laughs> and, and I went outside and I could see just woof, it would flap up and down. I'd never experienced anything like that until it, then. I'm telling you, we call it the zipper effect because we'll get up there and you, you'll see that the shingles are all torn like a, like a, what a zipper would be. And the cartoon, the old cartoons where like you'd be, be weirdly windy and it looked like the whole roof was waving. Yeah. I've seen roofs, once they start to pull up, that's what's what they do. And they start to wave and all of a sudden more shingles move, more tar seals move, more nails get pulled loose until all of a sudden they just start flying off in the neighborhood. Okay. So other things to do on that spring checklist. I, I know that we got to like turn the water back on and mm-hmm. that's usually in the basement. I go down there and it's labeled and I have to pull it either one way or the other. I think it's, well, when it's off, it's sideways and then it's up, it's... It's, right? it's, it's flowing, yes. It's flowing. What's it, the... Uh, 
Outside, it's the uh, spigot. Yep, the spigot. Yeah. Check those. Uh, it's amazing how many times uh, when I'm looking at houses this time of year that they still have the hose connected to the outdoor spigot. It's meaning you probably wrecked your hose, you probably wrecked that fitting, and there's some easy ways to test that. Disconnect the hose, make sure the water's turned back on downstairs, turn on the outdoor spigot, and if you want to see if uh, you have any pipes that broke or maybe a fitting that got loose, just put your thumb over where the water comes out, and if you can stop the pressure and stop the water from coming out, that means it's going in your house somewhere. It's leaking somewhere. Uh, you're going to want to turn the water off and get that inspected. But if the water pushes your thumb out, you're good to go. So I did that last year. Mm-hmm. Accidentally. I, I mean, I turned the water off, but I had the hose connected to the outside spigot all winter long. And it was like in January, I'm like, I'm not going out there to get it because <laughs> at that point. Yeah. But, you know, it did wear down the... What do you call it? The yeah, like the the where where you fitting. connect this to the fitting? Right yeah, there? It, yeah, it wore that down, but but it, but I didn't have any water in the house. Like what what could ha- could could something have gone seriously wrong then? That fitting on the inside of the house, if if that breaks, you might be talking about thousands of dollars worth of damage. This is water coming in a wall, no. and now you're talking mold issues. It, it can be a long recovery sometimes with with water damage. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful, Lynn. Yeah, you I, got, I, I got lucky. You, you did, and and, and honestly. The majority of the people do get pretty lucky there, but when I get called out to projects, it's usually because when stuff went bad. So I'm a little bit more jaded when it comes to this kind of stuff because I'm out here it. looking at the the worst of the worst, like hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of water damage is, isn't uncommon for me or any of my people to run across on a weekly basis. What, what about like the the basement? We have basements here the sub pump. I mean, is there anything that I need to do there just to at least be watching or be aware of? Yeah, you know, with the rains that usually come in the springtime and couple that with all the snow melt that's coming off the roof, if uh, if you haven't tested your sub pump and made sure that one, that your float still works, that it's not maybe sometimes those pumps can move one way or another in a basket or they get bumped and the float can get stuck. So you want to test that. But I also okay. tell people... Sorry, I got to... This is going to be a dumb question. What is a sub pump? Okay. The the sub pump is a pump in your basement. So there's a basket in your basement and in the floor. It goes down about two feet. It's about two foot diameter circle in your floor. It might have a plastic cover over the top of it that needs to be removed. It might not. So if you remove that plastic cover, usually you're going to see a, a water pump in there. And the way that works is there's drain tile around the entire home that drains into this basket. And why, why that drain tile is there, it's trying to collect any water before it comes into the walls and creates any type of moisture issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You ever been in a basement that really smells like damp and Eat. and dank? I don't know. It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's 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 because of that 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 moisture that's in the concrete. Concrete's a pretty porous material, and and it some of it's hydrostatic pressure if it's coming up from the floor. But if it's it's coming from the walls, that that mildewy, moldy smell can be a lot of times handled with a good dehumidification system one and a sub pump system. Okay, so. This water drains in the basket and the way it goes out is there's a float in there and that float needs to come up to a certain point and when that float hits a certain point it kicks on the pump and drains the basket outdoors some di- someplace away from your home where the water is not uh, going to come back to your house that's why i have that little like uh plastic i don't know like a pvc pipe that yeah, r- yeah that pushes just water shoots the water away from the yeah, house that's exactly that's what, what it is. that's for yeah okay yeah and for a couple hundred dollars you can put a battery backup on that pump, Corey. Okay. We're, don't think about this. For a $200 investment, you put a battery backup. So even if you have the power out, which happens every now and then in severe storms, yeah. and it's going to rain 10 inches, or say your one pump fails, 
Now you have a battery backup with a second pump on there. So for a couple hundred dollars, you can, that's about as cheap of an insurance policy as it can get. Cause here's the dirty little secret. It's about a 50, 50 proposition. If you get water in your basement, that your insurance company is going to help you fix it. Why would that be your fault then? If for well, it, it, liability it, or yeah, it's flood insurance. If you're not a flood in a flood zone or you don't oh, have yeah, that proper have rider, to... then they're not gonna they're not gonna cover it. There's one thing insurance companies are good at, and that's um, <laughs> not paying out it's stuff if they don't have it. to. Avoiding it. Did you see this here in on page seventy five? Yeah, on the. Uh... Yeah. yeah. Are you in the habit of signing things you don't read? Yeah, only when it's insurance paperwork, it seems like. Yeah. Well, you don't want to cut corners. Exactly. Hey, here's help. And I guess it's a pretty good segue. Hey, here's some help. Cutting corners, Andy. I don't want to admit to it, but I've cut corners when I've tried to do things myself. One in particular... You know, I think I have everything at like Lowe's or, or Home Depot. I go there. I'm like, I'm going to do this small little project. And I go mm-hmm. there and I end up getting halfway done. And uh, I need this. So I go back. Mm-hmm. And then I come back home and I realize I need something else. And then, is that like, I mean, is that normal? Uh, yeah, it is normal. And and that's, I think, the best way to judge a home improvement project is is if it's gone well, you only took two trips to the hardware store, once to get everything and then once to return yeah. whatever you didn't use. And if it uh, doesn't go well, it turns into a five-day, 17-trip, 16,000 different tools I had to get or borrow uh, to make it happen because you just didn't think it through. If I run into somebody that's had a problem, chances are they tried to cut some corners. So cutting corners in, in on home improvement project is usually not a good idea, but I do think that there are some some tips that you can use when planning out your project to make sure that it goes as fast and as smooth as possible. Okay, so, you, so like at the beginning you would do this before you start the project because the worst thing in the world would be you start a project, you have one day to do it, yeah. and then you don't get it done. And it's like, we're all busy. It's like, when am I going to get to it? Yeah. It, when, when, when it comes to our, our homes, for whatever reason, sometimes we just jump in all willy-nilly and we're just going to we're gonna attack it because I, I saw something on HGTV that yeah. they remodeled the entire kitchen for 50 bucks and it took a day and a half. No, um, that's not the real world. But if you're looking at doing something in your home, a little front-end research and planning is a, the best way, I think, to cut corners and cut time off your project. Some planning on the front end is going to save you a lot on the back end. In order to install this project, here's a list of the tools I'm going to need. I'm going to make sure that they're handy and available for me that day. In order to install this project, here's a list of the maybe the fasteners I need to have on hand or the glues I need to have on hand. Or if you're new to this, you know, talk to some people and be like, hey, are you available for maybe a phone call or a video call when I'm doing this? If I run into something, can you, can you help me and tell me, tell me what I messed up? Because I can tell you this, when I get out in the field and work with uh, some of my carpenters and they see like what I'm slow. I can do good work, yeah. but I'm I'm yeah. not as efficient as, as my guys that are doing this every day. And I learn little tricks uh, from them on a pretty regular basis. Uh, one I learned on, on coping uh, on, on, on a brick mold the other day by coping off the back of the wood. What that means is you're just trimming off the, the angle part of it. So instead of making a complete 45, you're taking off the back angle. So it actually fits together and you got a lot more play with making the perfect cut. And you don't have to be perfect on your cut, but it just makes it look a lot yeah. more like the perfect cut. So Andy, you always come with the advice. I actually have some advice in this category. Do you? I do. Yeah, yeah. So we did some yard work. Yeah. I commissioned my father and my uncle to come and help. So there. But I promised beer. But here's the advice. 
Okay, they were signed up. They were all ready. You can't start the beer and the drinking before you start the project. Because by the end, we did some yard work. All of a sudden, that circle that mm-hmm. uh, that we had built around the uh, the tree, the pod. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's not so circular anymore. <laughs> so you have to you have to promise. Like by the time we'll you know we'll ease into it, and by mm-hmm. the end. We'll we'll do that part of it, but that's that would be my advice. Yeah, that's uh, that's some very sound advice. Uh, the the partying ha- happens at the end of the project. Hey, here's a pointer. All right, Andy, what do you got this week? Well, I, I want to make sure people are aware of some of the battery options that are available on home improvement tools nowadays. If if you're still stuck to the cord. I'm telling you, one of the easiest ways to shorten the length of time on a home improvement project is some of the tools that are available from people like Milwaukee and DeWalt. I, uh, these are the, the two number one manufacturers that, of, of hand tools and battery-operated tools that my guys use, and they're like Ford and Chevy people at my house. Mm. You're either a red tool guy or a yellow tool guy, and there's no in-between. But I'm telling you, the technology that's come out has not only cut the, the cord, but we're getting rid of air hoses. Milwaukee came out with a whole new line of nail guns. So imagine this, you need to put on a piece of trim or your, my wife likes to make these little, little paintings and, and she makes these frames and you got to bring out the air hose and attach it to the gun and go find the nails. And now it's just one battery. The nails are there. No, nothing to plug in, nothing to worry about. And it's just really quick and easy, less parts to go bad, less things to clean. It's just, if you're into doing stuff for yourself on your home, be careful because buying these tools can be an addiction. I'm, I'm one, I'm one of those guys that, just I can't get enough of them. Like I have spent way too much money on tools, but it can really make your life way easier and safer when you pick the proper tool. We've got a trimmer. So I'm going back to yard work, Mm -hmm. but I got a trimmer and it's, it's not wireless or cordless or whatever. It's got the cord and, and it works fine. The problem is, is that I don't want to do it as often because, you know, I'm stretching around the house and there's a cord and then I got to wrap it up. And I've thought I should probably invest in in a trimmer that does not have a cord. Yeah, you know, um, I think there's a lot to be said of that because if you really like your tools, you you find excuses to use them on a regular basis. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, you didn't need to do that. You just wanted to break out the cordless blower and, and blow the deck off for the 15th time this week. I'm like, yeah, I, I, did. I got this thing for a reason and uh, I'm going to use it until the battery dies. God, and a blower too. Yeah, our blower has a cord too. I got to get, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, Andy, what'd you think? That's well done. Okay. Yeah. All right.